welcome to episode 88 of the Pirate Monk Podcast. We are actually back on the <laughs> back on the air. I've gotten some some uh, distressed emails, Facebook messages, text messages mm. in the past few weeks. Where are you? Uh, what happened? I'm sure. Man. Don't you oh. love us? I have abandonment issues. <laughs> It's an awful thing that we just dropped off the radar for all that time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, events conspired against us. If I wasn't traveling, Mondo was traveling. Yeah. Aaron was traveling. The whole thing was just insane. Mm -hmm. But we're back. Summer's behind us. Yes. The, the, my favorite season, fall. Oh, love the fall. Man. Whew. And fall. Uh, the air is crisp and clean today. We're recording, by the way, on the... Uh, this podcast is coming to you, in case you don't know, uh, almost live from high above the Mellow Mushroom here in metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee, on the day of the um, Franklin High Homecoming Parade. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, the streets Go are full of high pirates. school kids. Uh, yeah, they're not pirates here. What are we here? Rebels. Cowboys. Rebels. Rebels. Rebels, Rebels. yes. Mm -hmm. Lots Rebels. of rebels uh, downstairs. So oh. if we're interrupted by the thump of the bass drum. Yeah, you'll know. And on the West Coast, the Yankee is signing in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, it, it's good to hear your voice there, Aaron. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I actually Thanks. did get to see Aaron, spend a day with him just a few weeks ago when mm. we were out in Central California. Aaron brought one of his boys down and hung with Allie and me in Santa Barbara for the day. We had a great time. Oh, cool, man. Very nice. Yeah, it's been it's been so much time. It's like I don't even know where we should start as far as catching up. Do, I know. Do we even try? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We Just start fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll rewind a rewind a quick week or two, Mondo. Fill us in Woo. on the you know yeah. on the fam on uh, the magic that happens here in the studio on the okay. big projects with you and John. Okay, real quick. Uh, the family is great. Uh, the kids started kindergarten. Mm. Um, Whoa! Uh, both, yeah, both at That's the same huge. time. My uh, oldest daughter, she was promoted to first grade, so she skipped kindergarten. Nice. She tested out, so we're very, very proud of her. <laughs> Wait nice. a minute. What does that mean? <laughs> she <laughs> rolled her blanket and put it in the cubby hole, and it was the right cubby uh, hole for like so. well, first grade well, for she, you. She's already reading at a second grade level. Oh. And and her social skills are like second, I think high second grade. So yeah, yeah she's just she's just way beyond. The other uh, kindergartners. So, nice. So the girls are doing great. Progress reports are awesome. First parent-teacher conference next week. Ready. Fun. I'm ready okay. for it. Yeah, okay. So that's good. Business-wise, things are great here. We have uh, relaunched our business. Yeah. The new website was launched uh, two days ago. Nice. Uh, uh, TV commercial will be launched on October 15th on all cable networks. Uh, doing, wow. Doing that. So we totally, uh, we totally shifted gears and, and doing some good things with that. So. Uh, K5Kids.com. That's it. <laughs> K5Kids.com. Just go there. Okay. Uh, so everything's good, man. How about you? Yeah. You want to go to Aaron first? Don't go to. Oh yeah. Let's let's pop let's to, Aaron. to Aaron. Come on, Aaron. Oh wow. You were so concise. Uh, we, we're well, going to start calling. Uh, you brought up kindergarten. Start calling my youngest went off to kindergarten, so uh -huh. all the kids are in school. Oh. Except my seventh grader has come home. Uh, to homeschool. Oh. So that's awesome. He is with me four days a week. He follows me around. Homeschool looks like if we have uh, a guy from the church, we have a guy from the church that's dealing with, uh, he ended up being taken away by the INS unjustly, and so my son is in the middle of writing letters and 
flying off to detention centers trying to help him, and we call that seventh grade, and that's awesome. So I love getting getting to spend extra time with my oldest while my youngest goes to kindergarten. Fantastic. So it's, uh, it has been a whole different thing. But I have to get that in my head because for the last nine months I've just been writing by myself in the basement. Mm. So I kind of went totally hermit, and now I have a 12-year-old with me all the time. <laughs> so it's an adjustment for me mentally. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Wow. So that's, wow. that's that. And now I'm flying off to the desert. I've spent way too much time in the desert, and I hate the desert. I think God only put the desert there to keep the rest of nice places in balance. We weren't supposed to live there. Uh, <sighs> all right. All right. So say hi to all the brothers in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Sorry, uh, Phoenix guys. <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> I got nothing now. Man, yeah. usually you guys are offending people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, Allie and I are just thrilled to be home. Uh, we did have a great time on the last trip three weeks in california uh a good time speaking for the men of the international pentecostal holiness church the yes. west coast convention that was uh say, yeah. say it again i i got tingles say it again <laughs> international Pentec no ipHC ipHC yeah. international pentecostal <laughs> holiness church yeah. wait do you get pancakes there <laughs> is that the place I where they so. put the strawberries yeah. and whipped cream on it i think so yeah Bob, they are great guys, really great guys, and uh, so, yeah, that was a good time. Met with the Samson Society of San Francisco. Yeah. That's uh, something that's happened within the last six months is okay. Samson has launched in San Francisco. Cool, man. Good bunch okay, of guys Okay, 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 can you, can you dispense of a rumor yeah. that just because they're in San Francisco doesn't mean the Samson Society of San Francisco has a dispensary of marijuana in their Samson Society, not everybody has a medicinal marijuana license. They're just normal people having Samson meetings. Their meeting after the meeting does not include doobies right. or pot brownies. Please clear this up, Nate. Go. Yes, yes. I, uh, if there is any confusion on that point, I can clear it up. They're just normal guys. Good, man. We had a great meeting. It was it was like hanging with my guys here. It's That's wonderful. Cool. Cool. Uh, men are alike, no matter where we live. Yeah. The issues we face are the same, and it was a terrific, just an enjoyable uh, time of brotherhood with with the guys there. Very nice. All right, uh, we have a terrific guest uh, in the studio with us, and I want to get to him quickly. We probably should uh, just dip into the mailbag for a moment. We'll do that when we come back. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Pirate's life is a wonderful life, a roving over the sea. Give me a career as a buccaneer, it's the life of a pirate for me. Oh, the life of a pirate for me. Welcome back. We're ready to dig into the bag of mail. Nate, what do you have in your sack? (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, in my mail sack, I have letters. <laughs> uh, actually, there's a bunch of them that are pretty much the same. That say, uh, "Love the podcast." Uh, what happened to the podcast? Uh, have you suspended the podcast? We've got a whole bunch of those. Thank you all for writing in. Did Did any of them assume that you relapsed? I want to know if they assumed the worst of you. 
They didn't say so, but I, you know what? Uh, I'm sure that that has crossed the minds of uh, a few guys. It's a rational uh, question, right? Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Let me set your minds at ease. I am still as messed up a guy as I was when we were still doing the podcast. But God is faithful, and I'm still enjoying this wonderful, fragile freedom that he's given us. Ooh, uh, fragile freedom. Yeah. I like that. Fragile freedom. It's a fragile freedom. All right, but here's here's one I do want to read. Nate and the guys. I just want to drop a note and say that I love the podcast. Real Christian men being friendly and having fun. Uh, feel free to use this letter on the podcast, but if you could leave out my name, I'd be very appreciative. Okay. <laughs> All right, Sam. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just finished reading Samson and the Pirate Monks. I really enjoyed the book. i got a few questions for Nate and also generically for the other Samson Society members. In the book, Nate talks about his Silas and the different assignments that were asked of him to do. These seemed Uh, very relevant and helpful. Is there some sort of outline or training that is suggested for the Silas? I know it's recommended that everybody become a Silas and also that everybody have a Silas. The reason I'm asking is because I've been part of both secular and Christian recovery groups for sexual addiction recovery for many years, and this is one element that seems to be missing from the groups I've been a part of. The groups have suggested that you find somebody to be accountable to, and it's been encouraged to, quote, make friends, unquote, but these haven't worked out well for me or other guys who who are there struggling with isolation already. The accountability seems to turn into friendships or deplete into nothing and rarely addresses the tough stuff. Also, another element of the Samson Society that I think is very healthy and oftentimes missed by other groups is the meeting after the meeting. Many groups I've gone to, you basically unload your junk and then you leave. No normal time with other guys. I struggle with knowing what normal life and healthy male friendships really look like. Other times the groups just focus on what's wrong and then go back home and more or less into isolation. All right. Uh, Thank you. Sam for the letter and uh, it's good to know that there is yet another man who's joining us on this journey there's millions and millions it's, isn't, it, isn't it amazing we step into this journey thinking that we're all alone and then find ourselves in the middle of a crowd um, quick answer uh, we don't yet have and I'm not yet aware of a good handbook for a Silas that suggests um, uh, the kind of inventive personal assignments that were given to me by my Silas's and sponsors uh, early on in my recovery. In 12-step recovery, my experience is that a lot of that not wisdom is carried orally in the community. And so I hear stories told, which is another reason why informal time is so very important. It's when the meeting's over and we're just hanging out someplace and talking that we get telling stories about what a sponsor had me do, what I had a sponsee do, what was helpful, the crazy uh, little suggestions that helped us get unstuck and move a little farther down the road. It is time, I think, I think it's long past time to have some of those collected uh, 
Um, okay, okay. Hold on, Nate. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. This this is not hard. Let's All right. See. What, what, it's October right now. Yeah. November, December, January, February. End of February, we will have a handbook of those collections done. I I write it fast. You edit. All right. By the end of you, February. That's four months. There will be a handbook out. All right. You heard it first here. Um, and we'll bring it up on more podcasts telling you how it's going. Okay. This is not, this is not hard. And I'm I'm painting you in the corner because you don't do it that way. No, I but don't. I'm, I'll, I'll write it down, and you'll help collect the things. You hear that, Mondo? Yep. You're in charge of keeping track of the time. Okay. Got All right. It? Yep. All right, All go right. on with what you're saying. Nate. Aaron is Mr. Efficiency, man. He gets crap done. Yeah. All right. Well, and we can thank... Sam, for the birth of that project. Uh, <clears throat> so you were saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so that will help, I guess, if we get guy, give guys more of a track to run on, it'll help them get more uh, business-like and formal in their Silas relationships. At the same time, I want to I want to I want to offer that with a caveat. I was just listening. Uh, today to this, we're going to be talking about this dynamite uh, uh, multimedia project, a great documentary on recovery from porn addiction. Uh, and our friend uh, uh, Michael Cusick was talking on camera about the difference between accountability and accessibility. That we can let uh, these relationships, these formal relationships that we form with another guy, devolve into uh, a cop relationship or a coach relationship in which, in which we're not really equal uh, and where it becomes now, uh, it, it starts to become important to perform properly. And when that happens, honesty suffers and uh, it's real easy for us to talk in one direction while walking in the other. What Michael uh Encourages, and I've started. I've adopted his language. I've been using it a lot. If you've heard me speak lately, you've probably heard me use this language. Let's move from accountability into accessibility. Let's give another man real access to what's going on in our heart and in our life, and that means everything from uh, what's going on at home and with the kids to uh, what I'm feeling in the moment what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, and what I'm thinking of doing, and allow another guy to track with us for a while and give him um, the license when it's appropriate to step in, interrupt our train of thought or train of speaking, and ask that penetrating question that we have been avoiding or remind us of that thing that we conveniently forgot, even if it's to remind us of who we really are when we're in the middle of, uh, you know, some shameful self-indictment. All right. Well, oh, wait, wait. We're not moving on from the letter, are we? What's that? No. Oh, okay. no uh, well, I was about to ask. I mean, I, I just pontificated there for five or ten minutes. Uh, so I want to toss the ball to Aaron, and then I want to toss it to our good friend Steve Seiler and see uh, what came up for you as you listened to this letter, and what would you have to say to Sam? Sam slash Frank, these, uh, I, it kind of bums me out because these two components have come up for everybody with 
utter consistency, meeting after the meeting in Silas. Yeah. People love to get into the Samson meeting, but then they struggle with the Silas, and they struggle with the meeting after the meeting, right? Yeah, it's often you get so businesslike in the meeting that we neglect that, that vital meeting after the meeting. Yeah. Right. And you really haven't experienced... Uh, it actually, oh, no, I shouldn't say it. I was going to say it feels like church, where people think they went to church because they showed up on Sunday. Yeah. But you haven't experienced church if you just go on Sunday. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest load of crap that has been sold by the Western church. Mm. I go to church because I show up on Sunday morning. Yeah. I'm sorry. Really? Church was supposed to be Sunday morning? Mm. Church is a community of people. It's a body of Christ. Yeah. You think you can pull that off? In 45 minutes on a Sunday morning? Without saying I mean, a word? That's, that's excluding parking lot time. <laughs> I mean, you know, gossip time doesn't count yeah. in my book. Yeah. So, Samson, the, the experience of community, genuine friendships with men, you've got to have stuff outside of the meeting with these guys, and you've got to have... A relationship where you are going deeper in that Silas relationship or you actually haven't yet experienced what you're talking about in the book mm. and the problem is when you get in the meeting you're taking such a big step for a lot of guys that's a huge step so you feel like oh I just got my first hit of honesty and it felt really sweet so I feel like I'm fixed so I don't need to do the rest of it. But the problem is it doesn't last for very long. Yeah. You know, it'll be like six months. Maybe I'd say the good, the good hit lasts about six months and mm -hmm. then it wears off. But I'll stay another six months hoping that that first initial hit will come back. Mm -hmm. But then I get disenchanted and think there's something wrong with honesty because the meeting isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that the meeting isn't working. It's that I never did the whole thing. Right. I never entered into real relationships with other guys individually, and I never went into community where I shared real life. I just went to one-third of the whole process. Yes. Preach and that it! Takes, now, now hold, hold on. I'm going to say the word. It takes discipline. Oh, I thought you I were going to say it takes a village. I, 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 didn't mean to, I didn't mean to get like a childhood Pentecostal on you, Nate. Yeah. You know, okay. I'm not getting legalistic. No. But we do have to make a choice and say, all right, I know this, this is going to take time and effort. Yeah. i got to make a choice and put some effort into this. But it's what it takes yeah. to make a call every day. That's, that's choice. That's effort. Yeah. But the hope is, if I make that choice and effort, you know, it's like I made a choice to order this steak, and I took the effort to put the fork from the plate to my mouth, and then I found out, oh, well, that choice and effort actually tasted pretty stinking good. That wasn't actually broccoli. It was steak. Yeah. I'm glad I went through the choice and the effort. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. I'm not going to pontificate as long as you did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great insights. Um, Stephen, what came up for you? Well, I couldn't help but think as we were listening to Sam's letter, uh, I moved to Nashville 19 years ago. 
And one of the first things that happened when I moved here was that I was invited to join a Tuesday morning men's prayer group. It was just five guys. Uh, and you just use the word discipline, Aaron. I mean, it, it, I committed to join that group. Yeah. I've gone every Tuesday for the last 19 years. Mm. This is it's now uh, five, still five guys. We've had a, you know a guy leave, and then somebody will ask to be invited in, or we'll invite somebody else, and we've kept it at five. But these are men who walk through everything. We know our wives and what's going on in their lives. We know each of our kids. We know what's going on in their lives. And we are vulnerable with each other. Mm. And you can come in there and say the ugliest thing about yourself. Yeah. And those men, like you said earlier, are going to remind you who you are. Yeah, yeah. They're going to, they have your history. They, they have your back literally because they, they've walked all of that with you. And so you can celebrate together, really, you know, rejoice with those mm-hmm. who rejoice. Yeah, yeah. We have shed tears of joy over a, a, you know, a young man winning a track race, for yeah. example, when we know he's been working at it for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we have also been able, when there's been devastation, to really stand with one another when you don't even need words. You just need a brother to put his arm around you and stand with you. Yeah. And so what I would encourage Sam and others like him to do is risk the vulnerability on the front end. Yeah. Do the scary thing do, and the discipline thing. Are some people going to reject that and not, you know, you might be the one trying to initiate that or you might be the one trying to receive that invitation. But if you can get a, in a small three to five guy group yeah. after that meeting, guys who just want to talk about, you know, man, how did those Rams do last yeah, Sunday yeah. for starters? Yeah. And just be guys together and work toward being able to share those deep things and stick with it. The rewards, I can speak personally. As far as I'm concerned, if I miss Sunday, no big deal. If I miss Tuesday, huge deal. Ah, there it is. There's my church. These brothers who know me inside and out, I know them inside and out, and we can say anything to each other. Anything. Fantastic. All right, well, that was Steve Seiler. We're going to learn more about this man and uh, what's going on in his life and through his life when we come back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And Sam... You stay posted because you're about to get a manual in a few short months on how to do this Silas thing. It's going to be so awesome. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be like the Christian version of Pulitzer uh, <laughs> relational <laughs> awesomeness. Oh, yeah. Yes, Pulitzer relational oh, yeah. awesomeness. Make sure that goes on the cover, will you, Aaron? We'll be right okay. back on the part of the podcast. <laughs> How long will my mistakes keep rehearsing? Jesus, I've taken liberties with your mercy. All of me, I I know that's how I have heard 
Monk Podcast with special guest, Nate, bring us in and introduce your friend. <laughs> I don't know. That was uh, Johnny Velvet. I'm really? scared. <laughs> Can I go? <laughs> well, that's, uh, we have with us a co-writer of the song you just heard, All of Me, part of a great collection, which uh, I suspect that uh, some of our listeners may already have heard. It's been around for a while. It's called Somebody's Daughter. Uh, perhaps you've seen the documentary, a dynamite documentary. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to recommend, strongly recommend that you get your hands on it. Also called Somebody's Daughter, uh, Steve Seiler. Steve, thanks so much for joining us here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here. It's great. Been hearing your name for years and years and years. Uh, so um, respect what you've done and what you're doing. Um, you uh, you made your name in this town as a songwriter. Yes. Uh, a top writer for many many years, contract writer, uh, and then you found yourself drawn into uh, this. Um, Tell me how you discovered uh, porn addiction. Well, I had a dear friend, actually my best friend, who was a contemporary Christian songwriter. Mm -hmm. And he and I, in that season of life, were writing for Point of Grace and Avalon and For Him and Mm -hmm. people like that. And, uh, in fact, John had just written Jesus Will Still Be There for Point of Grace, Mm -hmm. which I think was their first number one. And uh, and he and I had gotten to know each other uh, uh, I knew his wife. Uh, they knew our kids, and uh, uh, actually, uh, my my second son, my son, had been born here in Nashville after just uh, living here just ten months with spina bifida. Mm. And John, who had only known me a few short months, came to the hospital, and while my son was in ICU, stayed with me mm. all that time and and uh, stood by me. And I think that's why he felt like he could reach out to me uh, when he did in 1998. I got this call late one evening, and John said, Steve, if I don't tell somebody my secret, I'm going to lose everything, mm. and I'm hoping I can trust you. Yeah. And he told me that he was addicted to pornography, and he needed to go to a sex addicts meeting, and he didn't want to go alone, and he wanted to know if I would go with him. Yeah. And I said, John, I grew up in L.A. It takes a lot to shock me, man. Where, do you, you know, where and when? Let's go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went that next night to a sex addicts meeting here in Nashville the basement of a Catholic uh, church. And and afterwards, John said something stunning to me. He said, you know, I felt more at home meeting with these people than I've ever felt sitting in a congregation. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was a pretty stunning indictment of the church, first of all, but yeah. also a real compliment to the, to the folks who were running the meeting and yeah. the openness and vulnerability and support that was present there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And your friend, your friend John, his remarkable wife. Yes. Uh, that now began an adventure, and they weren't alone on it. You were with John on the adventure. Well, both being songwriters, after we went to that meeting, there was a lot to process, and songwriters yeah. process by writing songs. Mm-hmm. People asked me, "Do you journal?" I said, "No, my my songs are my journal." Yeah, yeah. And, and so John and I got together, and and we decided we were going to plant a flag that first meeting after that, after the after visiting the uh, sex addicts meeting. And we were going to plant a flag and just proclaim that every every woman 
mm. had a mom and a dad yeah. who loved them and had a heavenly father who loved yeah. them. Yeah. And that from that day forward, John was going to look at, uh, at other women the same way he would want men to look at his daughters and his wife yeah. as somebody's daughter. And that I was going to do the same thing mm-hmm. and that we were going to ro- walk this road together yeah. to his, his recovery. And uh, so we wrote the song Somebody's Daughter that day. Yeah. And when we wrote it, it was not, we weren't trying to write a hit. We weren't trying to write a song for a record or a, or a DVD or anything. We were just trying to write the song that would, would blaze the path that he was going to walk. Yeah. So we wrote it that day and we, you know, we stuck it in the drawer, you know, because yeah. it was just for him. And so all that's happened in the last uh, literally now 14 years uh, was not any part of the agenda. So it's all God's doing, which uh, it makes it a little easier to do the work because I, I really feel like we are truly following a call to share this message and get guys free and, and honor and respect our women. You know, uh, Steve, there's a very poignant moment in the um, Somebody's Daughter uh, documentary mm. where um, John talks about looking into the face of his newborn daughter. Oh. And realizing that somehow he has lost the capacity to connect with this person, mm-hmm. uh, how that's been st- uh, stolen from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in fact, I-, I can't do it justice. So, uh, Mondo, let's play uh, just a, an audio clip. From, I wish I wish you guys could see uh, the video that goes with it, but let's play an audio of John. Uh, experiencing that revelatory moment in his life. Our first daughter was born, and I remember looking at her, holding her in my hands and looking at her eyes and realizing there's a transparency in her eyes and her her spirit that I can't connect to. There's something in me that has shut down. I I should be able to connect to the degree that she's transparent because those eyes are just... You know what I'm talking about. If If you've held a baby in your arms, a newborn, it's... There's nothing there but this beautiful, transparent soul that God created. It's, oh, wow. And I can't connect. So what's going on in my heart, you know? And uh, so Shelly had gone out of town to see family. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is the day you call her and you tell her. Oh, God. You know, I can't do that. And I have to be clear that through this whole process, God was faithful to still communicate with me, to still pursue me. It's what he is. He is gracious. He is long-suffering. And, and I guess I had shut him out, too. He continued to pursue me. So I thought, well, I just had this sense that if I don't do this today, I'm going to, I'm going to cross that line where there's the, the, the expense of this is going to be exponential. It, the destruction is going to be even greater. So I called her and told her and because she was out of town, and I wanted to do it in, in person, but the bomb went off. And the truth was out. It took me by complete surprise. I didn't have any clue that it was was even an issue. I got angry, and uh, I got angry at him and at men in general. Well. We've been, we talked earlier about vulnerability, and, and I think what horrified John was that he realized in that moment that whatever it is that makes us vulnerable to the heart and soul in others was being stolen from him mm. through this addiction. And he talks on the, 
on the DVD about how it's a fantasy world. Mm. And the more you invest in the fantasy world, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's much more eloquent, but the more you invest in that fantasy world, the less able you are to connect to a real flesh and blood human being. Yeah. So you steal from that relationship. You betray uh, your wife. You yeah. be, and you betray, you not only kill that, that relationship with her, but you're, you're actually killing your, as part of yourself. Because yeah. as you lose the ability to interact with flesh and blood human beings, What's being stolen from you is your ability to live a deep and meaningful life that blesses others and that blesses you in return. So it's truly profound. You know, one of the things that uh, I found very striking and very winning about the documentary was that um, it was remarkably shame-free. Uh, Praise God. <laughs> If shaming people was going to win this battle, we would have won it a long oh, time ago. Is that the case or not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is, you know, grace and mercy, you know, uh, uh, without condemnation and judgment. I right. Mean, we all have enough of that. We do yeah. enough of that to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, you guys eventually uh, put together a collection of songs. Mm -hmm. and uh, Over a seven-year period. That was not a rushed project. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was songs that came out of uh, real life experience. John walking the road and talking to over two hundred other men who had walked the same road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I what I look for when I create a project like this is I look for that lived experience that affirms what the counselors and therapists are telling me is true. Mm -hmm. And when we write those songs, then we go back to the guys or gals and we say, "Is this it?" Yeah, and when you get that across the board, that's me. Yeah, that's yeah. my story. When you get that across the board affirmation, then you have something worth recording. Because mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is debunk that myth that you're all alone. Yeah, you're the only one. That myth that no one is dis as despicable and disgusting and shameful as me. What does John say on the DVD? I thought I was single-handedly keeping a you know thirteen billion dollar industry alive in the United States. <laughs> how, did, <laughs> how, how did he think that? that but we do. We do right. think that. Right. Can yeah. you can you slowly and very purposefully say that again? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that I was single-handedly keeping alive a thirteen billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was when he realized the folly of that. Yeah. I think that he started to realize that he could share this and actually get free. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we we heard that we heard that and hear that to this day over and over and sure, over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So there's a song called Into the Light on the record. And the reason we wrote that was like, as soon as you drag this thing out into the light, what happens is half the guys in the room go, yeah, me too. And the whole thing gets a lot lighter. Yeah. Because the, the dark, scary place that the enemy wants to keep us is that shame place. Yeah, right. And, and what does Cusick say? I'm paraphrasing again, but he says on the DVD, when Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't there shaming me. Yeah. You know, so if guys can get that, yeah. God loves you like crazy, is pursuing you to the ends of the earth into the darkest, deepest corner you can find yourself underneath the rock, out of the slime. You can be free. You can be whole. You can be redeemed. Your life is not over. It is not hopeless. Come on, guys. Uh, Step out. Step uh, out. Let's go ahead right now and play Into the Light. The walls are crashing down. My illusion has been shattered The thoughts that held me captive in my skin 
you find that the church just joyfully embraces it with open arms. <laughs> it immediately gets played on all Christian radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, denominations order it uh, by the quantities of... Yes, absolutely. Uh, wait, wait. I smell sarcasm from my <laughs> iPhone that I'm Skyping with. That's, because everybody I, wants to talk about um, what is the biggest problem uh, facing men in the church, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um... I actually came up with a list recently. A, a friend of mine is writing a book, and, and he was trying to deal with the topic in one chapter of why pastors have a hard time dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and came up with a reason, with seven reasons why pastors don't deal with this. Because yeah. that's, that's been my experience. There are lots of reasons why it's hard to deal with it. But, but the, thing, the thing about it is, and you guys already know this, I'm sure you talk about this all the time, sin is sin. And... and Jesus came to redeem us from this sin, too. Yes. And is big enough to handle this sin, too. Yes. And we behave in the church as if that's not true. And that flabbergasts me. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I, I just don't, I don't even have the bandwidth to understand why that would be so. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I have something I do with guys called the Ephesians 5-3 quiz, and it's a blast. It's something I came up with myself. Now, understanding that I was not a porn addict, I was... Your typical guy. Yeah, right. I saw something and went, ooh, what is that? Yeah, right. You know, but I thought, you know, Ephesians 5, 3, among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write down all the ways that I've violated that in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in like five minutes, I had a list of 25 things. Yeah, right, right. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to give this as a quiz when I go and talk to men and see how men do. And you know how they do. Everybody fails. Right. Sure. Everybody fails. Yeah. In fact, men will raise their hand when I pass out and says, they'll say, why is no even on here? Yeah. <laughs> because the answer is yes to all this stuff for everybody. Yeah. And then you can immediately say, okay, if we all fail. Yeah. Wait, we're... Steve, I'm taking the quiz right now. I've actually done pretty, pretty well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have passed. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, no, no, I thought of one. Okay, go ahead, keep going. Well, the, the point being is if we all fail, then the good news is we're all in the same boat. We're all sexual sinners being saved by grace. Yeah. So let's stop hiding our own failure and turn to the guy next to you and tell him how you did. Yeah. And immediately guys start laughing. Yeah. They start laughing and joking and they, they're a bunch of chatty catties. They can't right. shut them up right. because they're free to share their stuff and realize... Everybody in this room is sharing their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And as yeah. soon as we bring it out into the light like that, yeah. we're unstoppable. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how did the how did you how did you move from the 
uh, the CD, the the song collection, to uh, I mean a major multimedia production. Mm-hmm. This documentary and the music videos that go with it. Well, we had done the record, Music for the Soul, the ministry I found in 2001. We used the power of song to speak to Christians about the stuff they don't like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we do that on a whole variety of issues. But after we finished somebody's daughter, the CD, uh, the churches that were willing to use it mm-hmm. started saying back to me, Where are the, where's the music video? Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. You know, it took me seven years to do this, and now you want the next thing. Yeah. And what happened was a lady came to a conference that we were um, taking part in, saw our recordings, bought them all on a Thursday, called me the following Monday and said, what are you working on now? And I said, well, we're thinking about doing a a music video based on the somebody's daughter thing. And she said, well, when are you filming? When's your next day to to film? I said, oh, you know, I can't even hire a crew. I need at least $20,000 to even think about it. She said, I'll send that today. Wow. And I said, ma'am? Yeah. You know, I thought the phone was not working. Yeah. You know, couldn't have heard her correctly. So I, I, I pulled it together and said, well, would you write a challenge letter so I could get somebody to match your gift? She goes, you, you write it, I'll sign it. The very next day, uh, somebody at Cusick shared the letter with matched her 20. So wow. in, in, in 24 hours, we have $40,000. And I called her back and said, Judy, guess what? Somebody matched your gift. She goes, that was too easy. I'll give another 10. Wow. So we went from zero to 50 in two days. Mm. And so the, I took that as, as a sign from the Lord that perhaps we actually were supposed to move forward with some sort of video presentation. And it quickly moved from being one music video to being four music videos, eight vignettes, and an hour's worth of documentary footage. And I would love to tell you that I produced that. And it says I did. It says I was executive producer, which basically means I stood back and watched God open doors and bring in the right people and, and just stood by in amazement yeah. and watched the Holy Spirit bring these people to speak with their vulnerability and yeah. their hearts in, in such a powerful way. Um, I, I was you know, honored to be a part of it, to watch it come together yeah. and then yeah. to be able to share it. Yeah. Well, Steve, can I ask you? Sure. A question. Did you have something with that, Nate? I don't no, want to no, go ahead. You. Shoot, shoot, Aaron. Okay. You, you know, you said you're not, you're not the porn addict. You got invited into other people's journeys. Yes. With this, mm-hmm. um, there's something really personal to me about that because I've been invited into people's uh, hurt church. Mm-hmm. journeys, cynical mm-hmm. church journeys. Sure. I've planted a church for church refugees, uh, yes. but I've never had a bad church experience. I've had all good church experiences, mm-hmm. and yet I'm surrounded by people who have been hurt by churches. But mm-hmm. I've had all good church experiences, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's such a strange and beautiful place to be for mm-hmm. me, but mm-hmm. it's a weird, weird place. Mm-hmm. So hearing you say that is so familiar, hmm. and I'm very curious what that feels like for you, because here's this whole project where you're in the middle of people's issues and pain, mm-hmm. but it's not your issue and pain, so you are the ambassador slash voyeur to mm-hmm. their issue and pain. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Because I, uh, I want to hear it from somebody else's head. Well, the first thing is that I consider this sacred ground. Every time somebody is willing to share their deepest pain with me, I am on holy ground. Yes. 
honestly, I'm not just faking it. It makes yeah. me almost cry to just even voice that. Yeah. Because I have been invited into places where I, I feel like I don't belong here. I'm hearing and seeing things that aren't mine. Yeah. And yet, I think, uh, I was raised, my parents have been married uh, 62 years. Mm. I, I was an only child. I was wanted. I was unconditionally loved. Everything I tried to do was championed and supported. I think that what that gave me was a foundation where I can walk into a situation where there's a lot of brokenness and I can help be a voice or lift up the voices of others who are broken precisely because I'm not broken in that way. I'm not suggesting that I'm not broken in other ways because we are all broken in some way. But I feel like I've been given this foundational for lack of a better term, Mm self-esteem, that allows me to stand up in front of a group of a thousand people and they laugh and call me the porn guy and it doesn't bother me a lick. My feeling is if you have to think I'm addicted to porn so you can get healthy, think it. I don't care. Right, yeah, sure. It it, it doesn't matter to me what people think as long as we're able to empower those who are in deep pain to share their deepest truth so they can get free. Mm. So the short answer is I just consider this an honor. Is it weird? Every day. Every day, I ask myself often, Lord, why, why me? Why am I on this particular journey? <laughs> and I think the answer I always come back to is because I say yes, mm-hmm. because I'm willing, because, because it's more important to me to, to, to love, as, to try and be every day to what I think Jesus would be, which is to love people where you find them yeah. and to let that be church for me than to to worry about anything else. So yeah. I, it, it, it's, it's a, is it challenging? Yes. Is it rewarding? Yes. Is it scary? Every day. Do I, <laughs> do I feel like I have no authority to speak all the time? Yes. And yet, as long as my only message is Jesus can set you free from this, mm-hmm. then I'm not speaking on my own authority. Yeah. Yeah. And so as long as I feel like Christ has my back, I will go in and talk to anybody and, and let the tomatoes fly if they must. Yeah. Uh, I can only tell you, Aaron, that my deepest, most enduring friendships now are with guys who bless me and my family because I've been willing to walk with them in this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. Well, we're coming to a close, but there are a couple things I want to make sure we do. First of all, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get a copy of uh, the song collection and uh, the DVD. Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, somebody'sdaughter.org. Okay, somebody's. Now, um, that phrase is just wonderful. There's something special about that phrase, mm-hmm. somebody's daughter. It speaks to the heart of the lie that uh, porn addiction uh, taught me. Which mm-hmm. is uh, that that's not really a person. Right, right. Uh, I put it this way if you wouldn't want your daughter, your wife, your sister, your mom to be sexually assaulted on camera for strangers to watch, then why would you want it for anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, women are people. Yes. Let's behave like that. Uh, Let's behave like we believe that, men. Yeah. It's the greatest adventure of a lifetime for a Christian man in this decade. Mm. And I suspect for another couple decades to come. Yeah. Well, we, we can turn this. Christian men of faith, we can turn this. 
Well, it's a stirring call. Uh, it's been so great having you with us, and I and I hope we're gonna our our, our paths will continue to cross and recross in the future. Thank uh, so good just to have another brother in arms, uh, somebody else around the circle. Uh, Steve Seiler, once again, on behalf of uh, all the guys in the Samson Society and the men and women who listen uh, to this podcast. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. And once and again... if you want to send us a letter... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to send us a letter, folks, uh, send it to... SamsonPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, com. And if you want to get uh, uh, Steve's stuff, uh, the stuff from uh, Music for the Soul, go to somebodysdaughter.org. We'll see you next time on the Pirate Monk podcast. Give yourself time to heal. All of my people to renew your troubled mind. Everybody say, Yeah.